You're listening to Flip This Risk, where it's time for a new conversation about risk management. From the boardroom all the way to the barbershop down the street, you can overcome fear of risk and thrive. Join your host, Dr. Karen Hardy, for candid conversations with industry leaders from across the globe. Dr. Karen brings her experience as an industry thought leader, best-selling author, and Apex Award winner to each episode. On the forefront of today's risk management strategies, helping leaders from small and large businesses overcome risk and feel confident in their choices. Let's start the show. Hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Karen Hardy, and welcome to Flip This Risk Podcast, where we interview high achievers about their relationship with risk taking. And of course, you can find out more about the podcast at flipthisriskpodcast.com. And today, I'm very excited to have with me Joel Tovey, who is one of the authors and contributors to the book Flip This Risk for Enterprise Security. Industry experts share their insights about enterprise security management risk for organizations. Rachel, welcome. Hi, Dr. Hardy. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. I'm very excited about the new book that you contributed to uh, as it pertains to your your industry. Uh, And I wanted to start by saying that I think it's very exciting that the book is written by all women and given uh, their perspective about what security management looks like from their point of view. So I think it's very um, outstanding that uh, a group of women of this caliber were able to come together and put this book together. Oh, it's great. Um, security, it doesn't really matter if it's been physical security, cybersecurity, um, travel security, all of that has been such a male-dominated field. And to actually get a group of very successful women together to put together a book, um, it was it was great to be a part of, and I loved seeing um, the collaboration between the groups and then also learning from them. So many good points, and it was just like, it was great. Girl power. <laughs> girl power, absolutely. We're talking all about girl power here. So your chapter was about, or is about, uh, business continuity and why it's important. Did you want to tell us a little bit about your chapter, uh, what it's about, and what do you hope uh, people to get from it? Sure. So I think sometimes people lose business continuity in the day-to-day operations of running a business. Um, It's so easy to get focused on getting that money in, revenue generating, um, getting the important day-to-day tasks taken care of. And so sometimes until something happens, whether it's a hurricane, a tornado, a ransomware event, or a pandemic, um, business continuity can get lost in the shuffle. And I think that it's important to bring that back to the forefront, especially with all of the stuff that we're going through right now. Um, Who thought that there was going to be a two-year pandemic? How many people really planned on not using facilities um, for two years? And so it's been um, eye-opening. I think that a lot of people are learning that this was something that we really need to pay attention to no matter what industry you're in. So business continuity, is that similar to um, COOP? You know, you heard a term about continuity of operations. Mm -hmm. Is that the same thing or are there differences? I 
think that they're similar, but there are some differences. Typically, when you hear COOP, you're thinking maintaining government services, executing government. Um, for the business and the private sector, they're, they're definitely similar. However, it's maintaining operations. So while you both of them want to uh, focus on maintaining essential services and what's really important to their customer, whether it's a citizen or whether it's um, truly a customer, um, you want to be able to provide your service for them. But you also have to make sure that, especially in the private sector, that you're still maintaining revenue. Uh, you want to minimize the impact of business disruption. So that way you can ensure that you're still looking out for not only your customers, but also your employees. Awesome. I know that in your, in your book, you talk about right in, in the uh, beginning of the chapter, you, you asked the question, where does business continuity fit? And your answer is, the easy answer is yes. wherever it makes sense for your organization. It sounds simple, but can that be difficult to figure out? Oh, definitely. <laughs> Sometimes business continuity ends up kind of like a hot potato. Nobody really wants to hold on to it for too long. Um, <laughs> and so it, it varies. Um, I've been in organizations where it was with security, uh, where it was with asset protection, just because they may have had a robust emergency management program and emergency management business continuity kind of go hand in hand. However, if you're in a very tech forward company, tech heavy company, you may want to be in the in the IT department. Um, and I think that that's kind of a shift that we're seeing. Um, technology runs the world. Um, and so now you're having to actually start planning. What are you going to do if you don't have that technology? And so it really depends on where where it makes sense for your business. Some are gonna be with your IT risk. Some are gonna be with finance, some with audit. Uh, so it just, it does sound so simple to say, well, it just depends, but it does. It really depends on the needs of your business or, or your uh, sector. Right, and business continuity planning. I mean, now that you mentioned the thing about the pandemic and everything, uh, I was uh, would assume that business continuity planning should be elevated on the list of priorities within an organization. Oh yes, um, and if the pandemic didn't do it, I think ransomware and cyber threats will take care of that. Uh, the combination of the two in the past couple years have really escalated the focus on business continuity. I feel like a lot of uh, businesses are really good at handling hurricanes, tornadoes, fires, because they happen so often. Um, they may not impact a whole entire enterprise, uh, but something like a pandemic or a cyber threat or not being able to use any of your technology systems, that really does threaten your whole enterprise. And, and as bad as it sounds, thankfully the pandemic has brought a little bit of that to the forefront. Oh, absolutely. And you did talk about uh, some key steps that someone needs to take, an organization needs to take to institute business continuity. And you started with the business impact analysis as one of the steps. Could you talk, talk a little bit about that and then any additional steps we should know about? Sure. So the first step is really your business impact analysis. And I have found um, that this is a crucial step because a lot of people, and, and this sounds, uh, it's hard for people to think this, every person in an organization is important. However, some 
business units may be a little bit more critical than others. <laughs> and so when you're working on your business continuity plan and you're going through everything and you sit down and you meet with your business units, you're really going to be able to figure out your most critical teams, your most critical organizations, and also your most critical applications. Um, all of your IT systems, all of that's going to come out in the business impact analysis. From there, I would almost, I'm a traditionalist, I firmly believe in the BC cycle, and to actually try and do an exercise before a plan gives me so much heartburn. However, what I have found in the past six months to a year is actually taking what we find from these BIAs and throwing out a scenario to help start the business continuity planning process. Um, it's a little bit backwards in a sense, but however, just giving them that scenario rather than saying, hey, okay, you don't have this one application or this one team. Maybe you just start out and give them the whole big shebang with, okay, you you're under a cyber attack. What are you doing? And so that has definitely shifted my thinking a little bit in the past year. I'm sure it shifted a lot of people's thinking <laughs> over the <Yeah>. past <laughs> over the past few years. Uh, you say do scenario analysis, but you do have we all have a scenario now. I mean, the case study is the pandemic, so we can more mm -hmm. like hindsight. But but there's a lot of merit to actually going back to see what we did right, what we did wrong, and then yep. do scenarios based on that. Maybe that was a worst case scenario, maybe it wasn't, but it's something to actually start to think about. This is the time, right? Exactly. It's like, it, it's bad saying, but there's no good time to start planning like during an emergency. That's going to get all of the buy-in that you need. Um, so you have to take advantage of, of a good emergency or pandemic. <laughs> so what is one thing from your chapter that you you want people to take away if they have to walk away with something about business continuity and why it's important uh, as, par as part of security management practices within organizations. One thing I'm a huge advocate of is preparedness. Um, I believe that as important as business continuity is, you also have to advocate and help people learn personal preparedness. If you don't have a team that is uh, feels safe at home, or can handle um, their family being in danger, then you're not gonna be able to bring that over into the workforce. So I don't think that business continuity should be focused within the four walls of an enterprise. You need to help people take it outside, make sure that they know how to um, take care of their families, have just some basic preparedness information. Because when it comes to a tornado, hurricane, pandemic, um, you want them to be able to come to work and focus. And at work, you want it to permeate throughout your entire organization. It's not up to one team. It's up to everybody to really embrace business continuity because everybody should be on the same team of getting this business back up and running uh, and, and being successful. And so I feel like it shouldn't just, the, the big takeaway is that it's not just one little subsection. It should be a part of your life inside and outside of work. I think one of the things that the pandemic did was to uh, illuminate some of the things that we may not be thinking about on an ongoing basis, but really rose to the top and say, hey, maybe this is a vulnerable spot for us and we need to start looking at it. Yeah, exactly. Um, there are things that have emerged in the past 
couple years of, you know, do you know how to get a hold of your kids' schools? Or do you know where your kids' rally points are going to be? Um, you know, do you know at work where your rally points are if there's a fire? How are you going to account for your team? And all of this planning and business continuity, all of that can help you identify all those little things that you really need to think about. And it also plays a role in resiliency. I know we were talking about that right before the interview, but the fact that mm -hmm. um, on, on, a, on a corporate or uh, enterprise level in terms of helping an organization stay resilient during times, because we learned that some companies didn't do well. They had to make some key adjustments during the pandemic versus those who were able to you know, be resilient and say, hey, we already have these things in place. We're able to continue with our op operations with some tweaks to it. So we saw performance of some organizations differ yes. based on the fact that some were, you know, had they, they, uh, a handle on business continuity and, and others did not. Exactly. One tiny thing that I really didn't think about um, was your VPN capability. Come to work, you're on your um, company internet, you don't have to worry about VPN. Well, you take a thousand people, two thousand, ten thousand people home, send them home to work and can they even, can your VPN handle that? And so it's just little things that, you know, the, the past couple of years have, have really brought out and just little tweaks that you can make in planning and they'll make a huge difference. Has this instance elevated the role of the security management professional? What do you think this pandemic, how has it uh, supported or made security management more visible within the organization? Oh, I think it's definitely made this role, this uh, resilience officer, the uh, preparedness, the overall security, emergency management, business continuity. I think it's really just brought it again, um, something that was maybe in the shadows that people didn't recognize. And it's definitely put it out there. Groups have used HR to push their resiliency plans. Some have used their BC teams. But it's definitely brought out all of those planning efforts because if you had not done any planning for this, you were going to be left a little bit high and dry. And so organizations that maybe, even if they had just started planning, are going to be in a, a better position to keep on responding to stuff like this. Well, hopefully everyone is motivated to do so. So one of the things we do know is that your involvement in this book, for instance, was a professional development activity for you. How has that, you know, how did that influence you or how has that changed things for you, if anything? Um, I never thought that I would be able to check the block for author. Um, it has added, a number one, it's great on a resume. It's great on LinkedIn. It is, you know, something that's notable. How many people can actually say that they are a published author slash will be on podcast. Um, and then beyond that, just having the confidence of being recognized as someone that is an industry leader or is an expert in that field, the confidence that it instills is pretty amazing. And that was a little bit of uh, an unexpected side effect of this. It was just like, wow, okay, this is, this is a great thing. You know, I can do this. Um, so the confidence has been amazing. Well, you know, I'm 
I'm excited to hear that, of course, <laughs> but hearing <laughs> that the confidence piece is very important and that you've had the chance to add your voice to a larger conversation about security management, Rachel. Yes, thank you so much. It was great. Um, I loved collaborating with the other ladies and women and professionals. And um, I think it also speaks for our organizations as well as just beyond giving us a little bit of confidence. I think that it speaks well for the for the businesses that we come from that they have people on their teams that are identified as uh, industry leaders should give them a little bit of confidence too. Hey, that's all they need to know. Just get it with the right project and network. And then <laughs> you'd be amazed how far our confidence would take you. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, listen, Rachel, again, put this risk for enterprise security. Rachel's one of the authors did a great job. I want to thank you, Rachel, for being with me today to talk about the book. Thank you, Dr. Hardy. And thank you so much for bringing us all together. Um, like I said, it was great to be part of a book that is so typically male dominated um, and actually bring together a bunch of uh, female professionals and to have someone that can help push us to the number one slot in the in the Amazon category. So that's been a fantastic experience. So thank you very much for putting this together. My pleasure. And I wanna thank everyone for joining me and Rachel today to talk about enterprise security uh, in the book that she's been involved in and for joining me today on this conversation. I'm Dr. Karen Hardy and I'll catch you next time. Helping you feel secure is our strategy. All the way from the boardroom to the barbershop down the street. Subscribe at flipthisriskpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.